we invite you to this coming week's message of Good Theology, a podcast ministry of the Good Theology Project, a mission of ministry to seek, sow, and spread God's kingdom of love here on earth. We cannot wait for someone else to do later what God has already called us to do here and now. To learn more about the Good Theology Project, visit us online at goodtheology.life. Hey, friends of Good Theology, grace and peace to you. This Sunday is the 13th um, and the third, the beginning of the third week of Advent. Uh, if you've ever made an Advent wreath, you will remember that the third Sunday is always marked with that pink candle, the candle to represent joy. Uh, and joy, or sometimes the lack thereof, uh, is what I want to talk to you about today. But, okay, before we actually read the word, let's go ahead and do what we always do and center ourselves and our intentions as we delve into the wisdom of Scripture. As always, the words of this prayer are in the description for you to pray along with us. Almighty and everlasting God, our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, our behavior to share you. Glory be to you, God, source of all being, incarnate word and Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This week we're reading from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. I'll be reading from the Common English Bible's translation. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the Spirit, Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus Christ's coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. So, I believe that every time I exegete scripture, every time I read scripture with the hope of discerning God's wisdom, that there's a question buried underneath it all. Uh, A question that I have for God or that God has for me. I think it's God's playful way of checking my ego every now and then. Well, after hearing and meditating and praying over this week's scripture, there, there was one question that kept tugging at me. A question that was so uncomfortable, I knew I couldn't avoid it. What do you do when it's easier said than done? You see, I, I read Paul's words over and over, and I just kept thinking to myself, sure, whatever you say, dear. That's that's what I tell Brendan when he wants me to do something and there is no way I have the capacity to do it, but I just don't want to fight about it. Yes, dear, whatever you say, dear. And, and believe it or not, that's what I was actually doing to Paul. Not because I thought I was not because I thought he was wrong, but because lately I've been feeling the opposite of what that pink candle in Advent is supposed to symbolize. Joy. Paul's words sound exhausting. Rejoice always. 
Pray continuously. Give thanks in every circumstance. Well, Jesus, with multiple part-time jobs and ministry and a house to keep up and all the other stuff I have going on, I'm sorry, boo, but that quote just... It's like the lady on YouTube, ain't nobody got time for that. So real talk, have y'all ever done that to Jesus before? I mean, really? You know he wants you to do something? You know he is asking you, and you know you should, but you just don't have the energy for it. Because sometimes we feel like in order to do the things we know God wants us to do, like rejoicing, praying a lot, giving thanks, and all the other thing that God puts on our hearts, like kindness when we're frustrated, or forgiveness when it's their fault, or whatever. We, we're like we, we're missing that storehouse of energy that we just don't have access to right now. Or how about it's that ministry you were supposed to start? Or that mission of God's goodness you were supposed to share? You know, I don't think I've met... I don't think I've met a single preacher who's heard God's call and that very moment was like, who, me? Oh, yes, Jesus, coming right away, Jesus. It's always easier said than done or easier heard than done. And here, right here, we've got Paul writing to these Christians, writing to us, if you believe that scripture is alive like I do. And you've got Paul writing, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm telling you, yes, dear, whatever you say, dear, because I don't have the energy to fight with Paul right now about how I don't have time for that simplistic, he's got no clue what my year has been like, have him take a seat in 2020 for a month and get back to me feeling. Well, newsflash, <laughs> don't pick a fight with a dead saint because you'll lose. And I lost. Because as hard as it is to swallow, as hard as it is to hear, Paul is right. Not in spite of when it's easier said than done or easier heard than done, but actually because it isn't easier said than done, that he is right. Paul's words to rejoice and pray and give thanks, they're hard when you're missing that storehouse, that energy, that, that extra bit to do. But now hold on. Now if, now if we were together, if, if we were in the same room and I could see y'all, I would ask in person to nod with me if you've been feeling that same push and pull that I'm venting about in this moment. That same back and forth of joys and stresses this year. But this is just a podcast, so I'm going to pretend that y'all are nodding back and forth and agreeing with me. Hopefully, you are nodding back and forth and, and agreeing with me through whatever device you're listening through. But, but like I was saying, the thing is, Paul isn't wrong. When, when I took my anguish to Jesus... He reminded me that Paul's words, that his words through Paul to rejoice always, to pray continuously, and to give thanks in all circumstances wasn't supposed to be the thing that provoked the question of what to do when it's easier said than done. It's what you do when it is easier said than done and you don't have the energy. Paul was answering my question before I asked it. So 
I wonder how many of you know, taking a step back, I wonder how many of you know that 1 Thessalonians is actually the first written scripture of the New Testament. It was written before any of the Gospels. It's the oldest New Testament scripture we have. And the special beauty of it is that it's got that honeymoon, new spirit energy to it that we, that we sometimes forget after we've been a Christian for a while or have been to seminary for years or, or just had a lot of life hit you, right? It's that energy you forgot that you had, that you missed having. First Thessalonians is that, is that nubile love letter from Paul to this young Christian church, this young community about faith, hope, and love. It's one faithful human being writing to a group of other faithful human beings early on in his ministry. Now, not a pop quiz, I promise, but, but try and remember chapter 17 in the book of Acts. In chapter 17 of Acts, Luke's, Luke gives us the backstory for Paul and this church in Thessalonica that he's writing to. Basically, Paul and his friend Silas walk into this town, and after three weeks, they get chased out of town. So this thriving church in Thessalonica that Paul is writing to, it's a miracle church. Because if you've heard any church planners talk shop, they'll tell you it takes way more than two people and three weeks to start a church. A close friend of mine is a church planner, and she says it takes at least a year, if not much longer, a network of over 50 weekly dedicated members, and a five-year budget to secure the longevity of a church plant right now. Well, in the pre-COVID times. We're not even talking about COVID times. Now, I get that 1,900 years ago, church planning strategies weren't exactly the same, but still, the fact that Paul and Silas started a church in three weeks, and it was thriving, I mean, that's a miracle. So Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica is a letter of advice and encouragement as much as it is about love and gratitude. I mean, sure, it's a miracle church, but it's not like it had been there for 150 years or, or had a huge, huge membership of hundreds and hundreds of people or a massive endowment or any of the other things that help churches last through struggles. What prompted Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, I think, is that same uneasy feeling you get at the very end of the original Star Wars trilogy. Now, okay, so hold on and just carry with me through on this because I know I'm jumping to a totally different thing in this moment. But, but hear me out. Because, you know, after they blow up the Death Star, right, and everyone is partying on Endor with the Ewoks, and I just, and I remember sitting there and thinking, right, yeah, okay, the Death Star is gone and the Emperor is gone, but the Empire was big and powerful. The Empire can't be gone just like that. And that's how the end of the, that's how they ended the original Star Wars trilogy. George Lucas wanted us to believe it was happily ever after. And that just felt really wrong to me. And, and it's an analogy that came up for me right now because we are in the middle of a lot of things that are different or changing and happily ever after is not a lie that we're willing to swallow. It is easier said than done. George Lucas wanted us to believe that the end of the Death Star 
and the Emperor was that happily ever after. But the Mandalorian proved that it wasn't. That that happily ever after was easier said than done, right? I mean, that's what the other three trilogies were with that too. <laughs> that's why they were so satisfying. Because it was like, we were right. I was right. It was a lot of effort after the huge effort after the Battle of Endor. There wasn't a break. There wasn't a reprieve. Things didn't get all hunky-dory and easy. That's not how life works. The, the Mandalorian and, and the new Star Wars trilogy, that, that was like a validation that things are, are not, they're just easier said than done. There was more work to be done. And to turn the things we know we could do and say, we just don't have the energy. Sometimes we're exhausted and stressed and tired to just keep chugging along. Well, Paul knew that. He knew that too. The, the book of Acts doesn't even simplify it and say things were all great after that. Right? I mean, they don't provide us a huge amount of detail, but about what happens to this church in Thessalonica, but, but we do get a sense that Paul knew, because he wrote this letter, that he knew he got chased out of town. There was no way that just because that church got started there and that it was thriving, that those early Christians wouldn't have struggles. So his letter of advice to them was... He knew he couldn't be there, but he knew they were missing that energy and that strength and that they needed some encouragement. So he writes this rejoice always, this pray continuously and give thanks in all circumstances, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. For this is the will of Jesus, he says. Miracle moments happen, and there are so many miracle moments that have happened out of the struggles of this year. And I truly believe that part of the reason God allows struggle is for us to step into being miracles. But if you have been feeling like this Advent season, that joy is a little easier said than done, I really want you to hear Paul's words differently. Well, I want you to hear them differently than the way I heard them the first time or maybe the way you heard them the first time, that it was easier said than done. Rather than hear them like I did as this keep calm and carry on, keep that stiff upper lip, or there's always a silver lining Michigas. Think about it as pastoral advice from a friend, encouragement from a friend of what to do when you're holding out for additional miracles because you don't have the strength for it. In Star Wars, we think that Luke, Han, and Leia are the lone heroes. The truth was, and truth is, that Chewie, the Ewoks, the Rebel pilots, all the supporting characters, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian's buddies, like all of those people, all of those supporting characters are the heroes that allow Luke, Han, and Leia to be the heroes that the story needs them to be. You don't need to carry the lone weight of being the hero. Now, we Christians, we love our trinity, so I'm going to give you a trinity to think about, okay? Us, 
God, and the church. It's a trinity to help us do what Paul says is God's will, his call. We didn't read the verses uh, 12 through 15, but I'm going to tell you that if you go back and you decide to read verses 12 all the way up through 24, you'll see that there is this three-part harmony that comes out. The verses that Paul writes from 12 to 15 are about his wish for the church, his, his understanding of church, his will, and it, it, his verses 16 through 18 are about you. And his verses after 18, 19 to 24, 18 to 24, are, it's about God, God's faithfulness. He sets up that trinity as a reminder for you that you are not alone in this. When things feel easier said than done, you are not alone. You feel that way. It may seem that way, but you are not alone. Let God and whatever church you belong to, whatever Christian family you've got to hold you up, be the entire cast of supporting characters. Let them be those Ewoks and Chewie and R2 and all of them. And let God, let God and let them do all of that for you. Let him give you strength to carry through. Let them shoulder, let them, sh let them be that shoulder for you to rest your head. And how do you do that? How do you open yourself up to let God be there for you? How do you reach out to that community that you need to pull strength from? You be glad in God's grace, in his grace. That's, that's what rejoicing is. It doesn't mean to party. It means to be glad for grace. To pray continuously means giving up all the things that you think you have to carry on by yourself and you pass them along. Even if it's just a heartfelt, please, Jesus. And be thankful for everything. It means don't just recount the big joys and grateful moments. But think about the countless small moments to be grateful for. The things that we take for granted all the time. The things that feel like they're trials and tribulations, but they're, they're part of life. It's a recipe for happiness. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a formula that Paul knew and shared with early suffering Christians. You know, a pastor told me that the hardest place to be was in the valley. Because being in the valley meant you were in it. You, you hadn't been to the other side yet. It's exhausting. You're thirsty. You're tired. Well, life is exhausting. I know it feels like we take steps forward and steps back. That things are easier said than done. But we have something that tons of people in this world don't have. We have, we believe in a source of strength 
that we know is greater than ourselves. And you have a church full of people to hold, to grab hold of when, when you feel yourself drowning. Let that source of strength, let him be a source of strength for you. Rest in God's grace. Give yourself to prayer. And be thankful for the everyday things that you take for granted. Because as Paul said, May the God of peace himself cause you to be completely dedicated to him. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept intact and blameless. Because Jesus Christ is coming. The one who is calling you is faithful and will do this. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Good Theology. To learn more, please find us online at goodtheology.life.